What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Today we begin a new series on penitence. That's an older word we don't use as often anymore, but it simply means to repent, to turn away from the things that are wrong or sinful. Figuring out when we should repent and when we should keep going in the same direction is one of the toughest things to do in life. I'm betting most of us would agree that we should repent and turn from things that are wrong, but how do you know if you are wrong? How can you tell if it's time to move in a new direction? That's what this series is about, and we begin with what exactly does it mean to repent anyways. And we start with some scripture from the first letter of John. Nana is going to read for us today's passage. John is a disciple of Jesus who may have written this decades after walking with Jesus to encourage people who remained in the church after many had left. Uh, We'll talk more about the trouble in the Christian churches later, but here John is trying to offer some hope and encouraging them to live a life worthy of Jesus. We're going to hear 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to chapter 2, verse 6. Hear now the word of the Lord. We have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in the person. But if anyone obey his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And from Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 21, but if the wicked turn away from all their sins that they have committed and keep all my statutes and do what is lawful and right, They shall surely live, they shall not die. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray as we begin. Lord, make us an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. Do a work in our hearts and lives as we reflect on penitence and how we can walk in the ways of the Lord. Bless us in this journey as we seek to be more like you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's said that there are two types of people in the world, those who fight against all the odds to do and achieve the things they love, and the other group is those who spend their entire lives trying to bring the first group of people down. Uh, 
Now, that's a pretty black and white way to look at the world, but I bet for a lot of people that rings pretty true. We work and work and work towards something good and beautiful, and somebody else comes along and knocks it right down. And there's a, a cute little story of some children playing along the shore. They are building sandcastles when one of them notices none of their sandcastles look like sandcastles. One looked like upside-down ice cream cones, another looks like wooden blocks, and the last is a bunch of snowmen huddled together. The oldest, Renee, said how bad she thought they looked and then kicked everyone's sandcastles to the ground. When they protested, she said, my dad is an architect. When he makes a building, he draws it first. So she grabbed a stick and started drawing what their castle ought to look like. Each volunteered to build a, por a portion of the new, bigger, and better castle. And after a few minutes, they came up with what looked much more like a sandcastle. They beamed with pride until Renee again kicked their castle back into the sand and water. With angry expressions on their faces, she told them curtly, we can do better than that. Now, have you ever had someone come along and kick down your sandcastle? Maybe not a literal one, but they may have told you your artwork wasn't very realistic or your idea was pathetic. How about this one? They tell you after getting a paycheck, you could have made more money than what you got paid. It might be true, but it stings, doesn't it? I would call someone like this a Debbie Downer, always telling you you aren't good enough or finding the worst in whatever situation you're in. It just doesn't feel good. I've been reading up on types of human behavior in a book called Surrounded by Idiots. Of course, no one is surrounded by idiots, but there's one type of person that might tell you that they are. Uh, Thomas Erickson uses four colors to represent these different types, red, yellow, green, and blue, and the red type is probably instantly familiar to many of us. They would tell you there are the people who are good and sensible, and then the rest of the people who don't seem to understand anything at all. That's how a red thinks. They are dominant, they are quick, decisive, they take action, throwing caution to the wind, and if you get in their way, you are nothing short of incompetent. I know for me, I bristle when I'm around someone like this. Assuming others are wrong just because they don't see things your way seems silly to me. Of course, there are other ways to view things, right? In fact, most people will see it differently from you. But I also know it's really easy to cast someone like this into the bad guy role. When people are out front leading the charge, vocally making things happen, it's easy to snipe at that person. But you have to admit, there's a lot of good there too. These folks can get things moving like no one else can. And just because someone is vocally disagreeing with you doesn't mean there aren't others who also think like they do. A red, dominant type is easily labeled a villain. But the real question is, are they? If I pause to look inside myself, I know there are plenty of times where I disagree, where I want to stop somebody in their tracks because I think they are wrong. But I won't speak up. I won't try to dominate another person. Instead, I might just try and work around someone I disagree with, or maybe I'll ignore them completely. I'm a different type from a red, but I still have plenty of other ways that I express my dissent, my resentment. And that's true of all of us, isn't it? Some of us may not be like the red type, obviously causing conflict, but we all have things we say and do that are 
against others, that are expressions of our anger or hate. We may not always notice it, but sometimes we can become so embittered toward others that what's inside of us pales in comparison to any outward, overt actions from the red type. None of us are really innocent when it comes to negativity toward others. This past week was Rosh Hashanah, where our Jewish friends began a celebration of the new year that includes 10, year, uh, 10 days of penitence. They are purposefully reflecting on past sins so they can return to God. In Judaism, the goal is to walk in the light of God. Obviously, if you are in the dark, it's hard to see where you are going. It's easy to stumble. And just about every day, I am the last person awake in the house, and I have to go down the stairs with the lights off. I have to be careful because at the bottom of the stairs is the shoe bin. And are the children's shoes in that bin? No, absolutely not. They are spread all across the floor in front of the shoe bin. Uh, There is no punishment big enough to get those shoes in that bin. So every evening, I hope and pray I don't trip on someone's shoes and fall down the stairs. The dark makes it hard to see the pitfalls ahead of you. How do we know, whatever type of person we may be, from red to yellow to blue and green, whether we are walking in the light or in the dark? just waiting to stumble over a problem that could reveal all the brokenness inside of us. Well, the Apostle John has some insight for us. He makes the case in 1 John that we are not just meaningless nobodies floating around fighting one another. No, he says we are the children of God. And because we are God's children, we can be like God. Have you ever noticed something you do that you realize is just like your parents I had someone tell me this week that my hair looked really nice, and I thought that was a fine compliment. And then she told me why she said it. She said, you know, a few months ago, I noticed your hair was thinning. I wondered if maybe you were going bald. Yikes. And I divulged some private information. I said, you know, I was using a medicated shampoo, and it was making my hair really thin. And right when I said that, I had a flashback to years ago when I visited my parents' home, and I remember seeing that exact same kind of medicated shampoo in my dad's bathroom. And it all came together. My dad's thin hair was from that shampoo, and my hair had the exact same reaction. It was passed from the father to the son, and there's just about nothing you can do about it. You can't undo genetics. But the Apostle John, he says, oh no, you are no longer just the son or daughter of your father or mother. You are sons and daughters of God. We are God's children. And that means we don't just robotically follow after the generations before us, stuck with the sins of the Father. No, there is a beautiful opportunity right in front of us to walk like the Heavenly Father, to walk like Jesus. In the first century AD, Christians were this tiny, newly birthed community, and things were really tough. Not only was life hard because of the Roman Empire, but there were plenty of disagreements even among themselves. Some Christians thought they were just like the Jewish people and ought to follow all of their rules. Other Christians thought they were unique and should just do whatever they thought was best. 
the problem came when a large group in the church decided they were going to leave. They abandoned the church and went back to where they were before, and they were convinced, absolutely certain, that what they were doing was not wrong. Abandoning the church and doing what they thought was right was okay in their eyes. And John has to help clarify, is it right what they are doing? Is it okay that they left and abandoned the church, or are they stumbling in the dark? Are they a bunch of red types telling everyone else they are wrong or not? The apostle has a few reminders for them. The first is about the Word of God. The Old Testament described this evolution from the Word of God being this written law to something that is written on our hearts. We would say today this is the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit speaks to our hearts and reminds us of what it looks like to live for God. Now, sometimes we can do a pretty good job of not listening to the Spirit and ignoring God while proclaiming our own virtue. This is actually what happened in the community John wrote to. Some decided they were right, they had God, and everyone else was wrong. So John made it simple. If you commit to Jesus, if you follow the basics of saying Jesus is Lord and giving your life to him, okay, good. You pass the first test. So that's step one. Are you committed to Jesus Christ? The second test may in some ways seem much harder. You can't just say you love God and are following Jesus while ignoring God's commandments and the people around you. You have to live the right way and in right relationship with the community around you. If you decide the Spirit of God is at work in your life, and you no longer need to live by the commandments, you have missed it. The Spirit doesn't counter the commandments, it reinforces it. This helps make it obvious if we need to repent. Do you lie to another person's face? Are you stealing from people or from the government? These are some obvious things we should not do. And if you're, you've put yourself above these basic commandments, you need to repent. There's no question about it. Repentance. It's not just the Ten Commandments either, though. Throughout the New Testament, there are lots of lists of sins. Now, I don't think the point is to memorize every list and never do any of those things. We can't be perfect, right? The point is to remind us what goodness looks like, of what it means to be in the light and walk with Jesus. Listen to this list and let it just flow over you. This is from 2 Timothy describing the last days. It's a different version from what we usually read here because most of us don't know what profligates are. So this is simplified for us. Here it is. People are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust, and allergic to God. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Stay clear of these people. 
Can you feel it? That kind of life that requires repentance? Turn away from it. Turn back toward God and back toward the church. We are here to encourage each other to love like God, to walk like God, and to make this world a better place. It's not perfection. It's not that we never make a mistake, but when we are stuck in opposition to God or other people, we are in danger and need to repent. I think of a situation I went through about 15 years ago. I had a boss that really made me and my family miserable. It was always small stuff, nitpicking at little things at work, when finally I said, okay, look, tell me what you want. Tell me how you would do it so I can just do it that way. And he wouldn't give me an answer. He couldn't tell me what he wanted, but he was happy to point out every time he thought I was wrong. Now, I don't tell you this because I think he was wrong. I tell you it because it's 15 years later and I'm still thinking about it, still hurting from what he did. And if I can't repent of my attitude toward that person, if I can't let go and keep giving that situation and that pain over to God, I will quickly become embittered. I will head down a path that is anything but who God calls me to be. All of us need to regularly repent so we can walk in the light and not in darkness. Let's end with this. In the 60s, there was a man who grew up in the segregated South. He was anxious and afraid because people were saying desegregation was communism. The civil rights were trying to destroy America. So he joined the Ku Klux Klan, a right-wing terrorist group. He tried to plant a bomb at a businessman's home just because he was Jewish. And the police, they actually caught him, and his partner was killed in the arrest. He himself had a, a shotgun wound, but by some miracle survived. He was convicted and sent to prison for 30 years. After six months, he had had enough and tried to escape. This time it took a few days for the police to catch up to them, but when they did, again, this man's partner was killed. Twice now, he was on the edge of winding up dead. Back in prison, he was put in a small cell, and the only thing he had to keep from going mad were books. He began reading the Bible, and as he read, he felt convicted. He was wrong, so wrong, and he needed to repent. He confessed his sin, asked God to forgive him, and then put his trust in Jesus. As he continued to read the Bible, a new world opened up to him. He grew to love others and became friends with inmates of all different colors. He was able to get an education in prison, studying religion. Then he was freed to lead a campus ministry, and finally, he entered pastoral ministry. Fifty years later, he sees how God saved him, how he didn't get what he deserved, only exactly what he needed. His testimony ends with this piece of scripture. God is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The call to all of us is to repent and believe. Put your trust in God and measure your life not by your own thoughts and values, 
or even the crowd who may cheer you on, measure it by the word of God and by the love you have for God and for God's people. Let your life be light in the darkness that you may walk as Jesus walked. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.